the uh, title of the sermon is What Sustains a Christian? What Sustains a Christian? Let's read that together. John 4, verse 27. Just then, his disciples came back, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this indeed is the savior of the world. Jesus, we thank you for your, for your word this morning. And Lord, we, uh, yeah, we just acknowledge that we live in a tumultuous time and there are many things, things feel out of control, Lord, but we remember what, what you said in your word, be still and know that I am God. And so this morning, we, we just want to still ourselves as your people. I want to take a moment to be still and to know that things are not out of control because you are seated on your throne and you are ruling and reigning and you work all things according to the purpose of your will. We remind ourselves, Lord, that you are God and you are in control. We remind ourselves that you rule over the nations, that the hearts of kings are just like water in your hands and you turn them wherever you will. They are not ruling and reigning, but you are King Jesus. You are the King of Kings. We remind ourselves you rule over wars and rumors of wars, and that the day is coming when you will, you will bring, bring true peace, and you will reign. We, we remind ourselves this morning, Lord, that you are sovereign even over disease and viruses, that there is no stray molecule in this universe, that you are ruling and you are reigning. And nothing escapes your watch, Jesus. 
We remind ourselves that you are ruling and reigning over our individual lives, over our hearts and our minds and our relationships and our marriages and our singleness and our children, that you are sovereign over our jobs and our savings accounts and our retirement plans and the stock market. Jesus, you are ruling and you are reigning. We remind ourselves this morning that you are ruling this church. You will build your church. That nothing uh, will, will stop you from accomplishing your plans and your purposes in us and through us. We remind ourselves that you even rule over death. That Jesus, you give life. And Jesus, you take it away. And we remember that Jesus, you went to the grave. And you faced death, and then you conquered it as you rose again. And you say that whoever has trusted in you will also rise again. And so right now, Lord, we remember um, where our brother Tom, Tom Glasgow, is right now. He is with you, Jesus. That he is with you. He is with the Lord. And we rejoice over that, Jesus. And we also pray for Judy and for their family, Lord, that you will be their comforter, You will be the rock that is not moving or changing, even as circumstances and emotions change, Lord, that you are, that you would be their rock and their refuge. Thank you that Judy knows you and loves you. Would we be a faithful church to care for widows, to care for those who are grieving in our church? And so this morning, Lord, we we are still and we look to you, God, you are exalted. You are seated on your throne. And now, Lord, we turn to your word. And we just say, Jesus, that you, we we ask that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would use your word like a sword, that it would carefully cut away what needs to go, that it would, um, gosh, that you would save this morning, that you would lead, that you would guide, that you would strengthen and encourage that you would feed us and nourish us. We want to meet with you now, Jesus. We are still, would we be like Mary at your feet, just sitting at your feet, hearing you speak, Lord. Help me be faithful to proclaim only what you have spoken um, and nothing else, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You are exalted and will be exalted. All of our hope is in you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you are a Christian, I want to ask you, what sustains you? What keeps you going? What keeps you walking with Jesus? Where do you go for strength? Where do you go for help? Where do you go for fuel? And I just want to ask you, do you look to your emotions for fuel? We all know emotions are uh, a gift from God. They're incredibly powerful. We, we have had, uh, I'm sure many of us have had a powerful emotional moments with God in his presence. But here's the deal. Emotions are not constant. They don't stay. They can go, we can be, our emotions can, can vary so dramatically in a moment. And as wonderful as our emotions are, listen, they are not fuel for our walk with God. And listen, do you know the, the danger of relying on our emotions as fuel is when you need your emotions the most is typically when they are not what you would want them to be. 
emotions when we're like, Lord, I need you. Where is that, that, that feeling that I had in your presence when, when I'm suffering, when something's going wrong? That's almost always when our emotions are like the opposite of what we would need. So let me just encourage us. Our emotions are an amazing gift, but they are not fuel. They are not what we are to rely on to sustain our walk with Jesus. Uh, maybe for some of you, you're like, ah, emotions, yeah, whatever. I'm about like my will. I'm just sheer willpower and discipline. I'm going to get up. I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to obey Jesus. I'm going to do it. Um, but, but listen, if, if that's you, have you not felt dry? You've not grown weary of your own strength. Maybe some of you are thinking, you know, yeah, okay, maybe it's not emotion. Maybe it's not just my sheer will. Maybe the key to sustaining my walk with God is a really good church. Uh, listen, if I can just find a perfect church full of perfect people with perfect leaders and perfect sermons and music and programs, then I will make it as a Christian. Uh, and I hope it's obvious that such a place, this side of heaven, does not exist. Um, as good as a church may be, as essential as a church may be, it is full of imperfect people who will let us down. And hear this, you will let, you will let them down. We will let one another down. And so, so we don't rely, our fuel is not even one another. So, so where do we go? What, what is our fuel? What do we look to to keep us going and walking with Jesus? Or maybe you're like, hey, I'm not I'm not even walking with Jesus. And, and maybe you're wondering, like, what's really at the heart of it all? What's, like, what's this thing all about? Now, our, our text this morning is Jesus finishes this conversation with the Samaritan woman. We're going to see three uh, essentials, three sources of fuel that will sustain your walk with Jesus. Uh, and, and before we get into that, I just want us to look again at verse 27 and remember the context, remember what's happening. We're, we're picking up right in the middle of a story. And so, so our text begins with this. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with the woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? Uh, I want you just to notice this before we even dig in. That phrase, just then, is incredible. Do you know Why? Because Jesus is sovereign even over the meticulous details of when his disciples returned and where he was at in his conversation. Like this is what you would call a divine appointment. The disciples didn't come back too early to interrupt the conversation. They didn't come back too late to be like, to miss this moment. It was just then. And when they come, they are marveling that Jesus, a Jew, is breaking social customs as a rabbi to speak openly in public with a woman. And, and they're wondering, like, what is he doing? Now, they, they respected Jesus too much to just call him out in front of this woman, so they don't say anything, but they're wondering, what is going on? What is Jesus doing? And now, in verse 28, from 28 to 30, we, we see the first point, we see the first source of fuel, and it's this. What sustains a Christian is conversion, new life, being born again, tasting living water so that it's welling up within you. Like this woman becomes a new creation in front of our eyes. I want us to see it. Let's read again verses 28 to 30. So the woman left her water jar, and don't, like that's significant. She left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, come. 
See a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. Now listen, just remember this. This woman would have begun her day just like any other day. Maybe it was a Tuesday. She wakes up next to this man she's been living and sleeping with who's not her husband. It's at least the sixth man she's woken up to in her life. And she waits for all the married women to go and yeah, in the cool of the morning and get their water. And once they're all gone, she gets her water jar and she goes down there in the heat of the day. And as she's filling her water, this man suddenly interrupts her and he says to her, give me a drink. And she looks and she sees this Jewish man who's exhausted and he's sitting there and they begin to talk and quickly things get like deep and spiritual. And he's saying, hey, yeah, I'm asking you for water, but if you knew who I was, I could give you living water that would well up to eternal life. And she's thinking, is this man, maybe he's crazy. Maybe, maybe he does have something to offer. And, and, and then all of a sudden he tells her, hey, why don't you go call your husband? And, and just imagine what that would be like for this woman. Like her heart stops. She, she's just, what's going on? And, and she says, well, you know, I don't have a husband. And then just think about this. Then it's, it's the impossible happens. He says, you're right. In fact, that man that you woke up to next to you this morning, he's not your husband. And you've had five husbands before him. And she's just like, maybe this guy is a prophet. Maybe he does know something. And so she, she, she asks him this spiritual question that's been going through her mind, wondering, you know. And so she essentially asks this prophet, hey, who's right? Is it the Jews or the Samaritans? Who, who's really worshiping God the right way? Do we have to worship in Jerusalem? Or are we right to, to worship God over here in our own temple on Mount Gerizim? And she, she kind of quizzes him. She's like, okay, I have this question. Are you a prophet? Why don't you tell me? And then he gets into like, true worship is this and that. And honestly, she's like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. And what she says is, do you know what? When the Messiah comes, he'll explain it because you're not doing a very good job. I don't know what you're saying. She's like, when the Messiah comes, he'll tell me, he'll tell me. And then he looks at her and he says these words that go like straight into her heart. He says, I who speak to you am he. And in that moment, something changes in her. All of a sudden, her priorities are different. Her concerns are different. Her desires are different. Her fears are different. Even her shame and embarrassment changes. And she thinks, could this really be the Messiah? Is this really the savior of the world. And she is willing to leave her water jar, the thing that she came there for, her previous priority, the thing that she was busy with before. She leaves it there and she goes into her town where there will be her childhood friends and her family, the the families of those men she was married to, the town that she's avoided going to see in the morning with all the other women. She goes to these people She overcomes all of her embarrassment. She's even willing to bring up her past and says, come see a man who has told me all I ever did. You know what I did, but he knows what I did and I've never met him. She is willing to boldly invite them to come to Jesus. This is a new woman. She is not the same. 
She has tasted living water. And so she leaves her physical, her concern for physical water behind because she has found the one who can give her eternal, spiritual, living water. This woman has experienced the most essential thing that a human being can experience. She is born again. She is converted. And hear me, apart from that, apart from being converted, born again, there is no hope for you in a relationship with God. Unless you are given an entirely new heart and new nature and filled with the spirit of God that wells up like water within you, there is no relationship with Jesus. There is no hope. It doesn't matter how many emotional experiences you have, those will wear off. It doesn't matter how much you try to obey God and to do the right things, to try and love God. If your heart is dead, if you have no living water in you, you will not make it. You will not last. You will not survive as a Christian. But hear me, when Jesus speaks to you and his words go into your heart and confront your sin and reveal his glory and his identity and you trust in him, you repent, you turn, you acknowledge that and you say, you are the one that I need. The Bible says you are born again. You are a new creation. You, you are radically changed. And do you know what happens when you're born again? Your old interests and priorities and loves and affections are completely reoriented around Jesus. And everything else is secondary. Yeah, like she's gonna need that water at some point. She's gonna come back and get it. That's just not the, the main thing anymore. Everything else is secondary. And we even see incredible fruit. We see she's born again. Do you know how we know this? Because she's willing to go, uh, I was joking with Garrett earlier, God bless him, he's been preparing to be a missionary for like 37 years. This woman, it takes her about 33 seconds. She's like, I'm in. I'm going right now to these very people who don't like me, who I'm ashamed of, who I don't want to see. I don't care. I need them to know about Jesus. Now, I was joking with Garrett. Obviously, there's good things about preparing and doing it right. And, but this woman was like, I can't hold it in. I cannot hold it. I must go. She is bearing fruit. She is clearly alive. Now, I just want to ask you, has that happened to you? Are you born again? Is your life radically oriented around Jesus? Do you love him? Is the love you have for Jesus like organically springing up in your soul? Or do you gotta like muster it up? Or are you just hungry for emotional experiences? Listen, the only thing that will sustain you is to have a new heart, to be born again, to be converted. And it would, gosh, it would be cruel to come week after week and hear sermons about what you got to do if your heart is not new. Are you born again? Now, the second thing we see of what sustains our walk with God, we actually see this because we, we, we get to look at what's sustaining Jesus. What's sustaining Jesus? So let's, uh, let's look at verses 31 to 38. Um, and let's just read verses 31 to 34 first. Meanwhile, 
The disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. Hear this. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, hear this. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. We could sum it up. What sustains a Christian is this. It's hearing, hear this, and obeying God's word. Hearing and obeying God's word. Now, just think about Jesus for a moment. He was truly God, but he was also truly human. He was a human being in a human body. And he was exhausted and he had to stop and he had to rest. He was tired. His disciples went in to get food and and now he's having this conversation and he's asking this woman like, hey, could I have some water? He's exhausted. Now, the disciples come back and all of a sudden, like, he's different. He's rejuvenated. He hadn't eaten. We don't even know if he's had any water, but he's like, okay. And, they're, and, and then they're like, hey, you should probably eat. You're exhausted. He's like, I'm actually okay. I have food that is sustaining me right now. And it's not physical food. Now, this is, this is an amazing phenomenon that happens as people. Have you ever been doing something um, that you love and you've completely lost track of time You've maybe even skipped a meal. You haven't had any water. It's as if all your bodily needs just shut down and it's like you were locked in doing something for even hours. For me, that's fly fishing. It's this incredible thing. I can go for 12 hours and I don't think about anything but fly fishing. I'm not hungry. I'm not thirsty. I don't think about sitting down. I don't think about stopping. I don't think about how hot or how cold. I'm just like, I'm locked in. Listen, the thing that was like that for Jesus, hear me, was obeying God. The thing that overrode his physical exhaustion and hunger and thirst was doing what his father wanted him to do. This is what Jesus was referring to when Satan came and tempted him after 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. And Jesus says in Matthew 4, verse 4, he's quoting Deuteronomy. He answered, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Listen, I want you to hear this. This is is so important. We often think we need strength so that we can obey God. Did you know that obeying God gives you strength? Did you know that your life and energy and strength, and joy is a result of your obedience to God. So often we're like, listen, I'll obey God once this happens, or this trial is over, or I'm just exhausted. You don't know how hard my life is. I can't do that. When hearing his word and obeying him is the very thing that gives us life. It's the very thing that gives us strength. The more we neglect God's word and obeying God, the more we choose to disobey God, we are sapping ourselves of strength. We are losing life and vitality. But the more we are walking with God and obeying God, it is, it is so significantly like life-giving. It even can override our physical needs. It is, it is what gives us life. 
And then Jesus gets specific about what he's talking about. Look what he says in verse 35 to 38. He's essentially gonna invite his disciples into this. He says this, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Okay, what Jesus is saying is this. The, the, the work that is sustaining him, the work that is the obedience to God that is giving Jesus life was to reap a harvest of souls. That is what got Jesus excited. And that, that work was ultimately to be done on the cross as he died and rose again, that whoever would trust in him would not perish. Now, Jesus is inviting his disciples and us into the work of reaping a harvest that God has sowed. He's saying, and this is, this is so cool. He says, look, lift up your eyes. Now, now, this is what he is saying here. Lift up your eyes. What's happening? We're about to get there in verse 39. What's happening as the town of Samaria is over here and they're sitting here? What would be happening at that moment? What did the woman just go do? She's like, hey guys, come with me to Jesus. And then Jesus says, hey guys, look up. And they see the Samaritans coming towards them. In fact, scholars even say that it's very likely that the garments they would be wearing, the cotton, so to speak, would be this light cream colored. And so what Jesus is saying is, hey, that's the harvest. You see those people coming towards us? Look, the harvest is right there. The thing that is fueling me is right there. And he's saying, now I've been sowing and I've been reaping with this woman and now she's sowing. And now you guys, we are, you're about to enter into our work, our labor of sowing the word. And we're about to reap a harvest right now. And I love the metaphor is harvest because do you know what the reward is of harvest? It's food, it's bread, it's fruit, it's joy, it's satisfaction. What he is saying is when you are engaged in the work of God, it will be life-giving. It will sustain you. There is no greater joy than, than participating in God reaping souls for his kingdom. There's nothing better. That fruit lasts for eternity. It's like, yeah, you can eat a, a good hamburger. I love a good hamburger. The problem is in about six hours, I'm starving again. But if you participate in the harvest of God, that fruit lasts forever. He is saying to you, if you wanna follow me, if you wanna obey me, participate. Go hear my word and make disciples. Go evangelize, go encourage others to come to me. And that will be like strength and joy for your soul. And, and I love at the, the end of verse 36, it says, they rejoice together. That is where our joy, that is what sustains and fuels our walk with God as we see God saving souls, as we engage in the harvest. And so the, the first thing that sustains us is new life. The second thing is obeying Jesus, participating in the harvest. And the third thing that, that sustains a Christian we see is in uh, verse 39 to 42. And let me just say it, 
It's intimacy with Jesus. It's time with Jesus. It's being with Jesus. Let's read these verses together. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this indeed is the savior of the world. Do you know him? Have you heard him? Have you had this experience? Is it all secondhand? Are you just hearing testimonies? Are you just listening to me or some other teacher? Have you heard Jesus speak to you? Have you spent time, days, communion with him? And I love in the text, it all begins with a simple testimony from a person who just became a Christian who didn't know anything about anything. All she said was, hey, come see Jesus. That's all she did. She's like, come and see him. That's all she did. And Jesus is using her to bring all of these people to him. Listen, if you're like, I'm not a pastor, I don't read, I don't know how to do this work, I guarantee you, you know about as much as she did. And what do you need at bare minimum? Hey, come and see. Come and see this man who has saved me. Come, like, invite him to church. I don't know anything about it. Just come and see. Why don't you come see his body, worshiping, full of his spirit, hearing his word? Just come and see. Jesus even uses this to begin the intimacy with him. And, and so they came. And then Jesus proved so good to them. They're like, hey, could you just stay and so for two whole days, he stays. And, and what's the key? Look at verse 41. Many more believed, why? Because of his word, his word. Have you ever um, just imagined what it would be like to have Jesus over at your house? Just to like be with him for, for two days. What would, you, what would it be like? What would you do? What would you talk about? Listen, I don't want to be cheesy, you guys, but you have him. You have his word. The very thing that saved all of these people is in your hands right now. And you know what? I'm just going to say, you got something better. Because you know what? They got 48 hours. And he's like, all right, I got, I got to go. And they're like, oh, man, remember Jesus that one time? What, what, what did he say? You have the full, whole counsel of God. You have, if you are born again, the Holy Spirit in you. Jesus is available to you in a far more significant way than he was to these Samaritans. You have Jesus and his word. And through this book, the spirit of God brings life. And you can, you can commune with the living God. It's like food for your soul. And so I just want to encourage you to, to, to hear your, for yourself what that Samaritan woman said, come, just come, come and be with him. Come, come hear his word, come open his word. Uh, I, I want us to close with some, re- just three really practical pointed questions. Um, the, f- the first one is this, 
what water jars, so to speak, do you need to abandon? Do you need to forsake? What lesser things is consuming you? Or, or, or what lesser things are you consuming? Where do you go for life? Where do you go for refreshment? Listen, it's reasonable to drink water, but there's something better. It's living water. This week, I was reading a story of a, this Brooklyn pastor uh, from back in the day. His name, poor guy, was Ichabod, Ichabod Spencer. His parents didn't know what they were doing, but God used them anyways. And so his thing was he would go and visit with people individually, one-on-one. And he, he wrote this account, this book of like the highlights of him talking with people. He, he said he had 22,000 different like uh, interactions, significant spiritual conversations with people. And uh, one of the stories is he, he was meeting with this one couple and this uh, this woman was born again, but her husband, who was a farmer, he was like, hey, I wanna believe, I wanna be born again, but like, he just kind of, he never had peace. And he always had this sense of like, gosh, my soul's not right with the Lord. And he was trying to do everything. And uh, Ichabod couldn't figure out what was wrong. And so he's just praying for this guy. And this, this woman's growing and her husband's not. And one day, um, the pastor was riding along on his horseback. And he sees the farmer coming in the opposite direction, riding uh, his carriage, basically. And so he, he kind of pulls up alongside him. And they're, start, they're riding together. And they're talking. And kind of same old, same old. How's your soul? I just don't have peace. I don't know why. I want to believe. I just don't have peace. And he, he kind of knew all the, the right stuff in his head, but he just, something wasn't right. And then uh, the pastor looked down and saw this jug next to his seat. And he's like, hey, what's in there? And the guy says, oh, listen, listen, it's, it's, it's rum, but I'm not an alcoholic. I believe what the Bible says about not getting drunk. Um, I, I'm not an alcoholic. And, and he said, honestly, when my soul gets sad, it just helps. It just helps me. When my soul is sad, it just kind of like mellows me out and I can get through it. And uh, just by the discernment of the Holy Spirit, the pastor said, hey, brother, and this passage came to mind. He's like, maybe this is your water jar that you need to set aside. Maybe there's, there's a better place for your soul than just numbing out over here. And, and then he recalls that the man looked down at his jar and then he looked up and there was this big old like boulder off on the side of the road. And then he looked at the pastor and he said he just kept looking at the three. And it was this painful, just he would look at his jar, he would look at the rock. And then all of a sudden he picks his jug up and he stands up and he throws it and it shatters on the rock. And they pray together and that man was converted. Now, listen, Alcohol in and of itself is not necessarily evil. The, the point is this. What are you going to that, that is numbing your soul? Where do, you, where do you go for life, for comfort, for peace? It may be a good thing. Maybe you need to set that aside. You need to abandon that as this woman did for, for the true living water. What water jars are sapping your strength? The second question is this, what harvest is before you? As Jesus said to the disciples, lift up your eyes. When you think about your, your daily routine, if you were to lift up your eyes, what, what harvest is before you? 
what opportunities are just before even your very eyes. That your eyes would just maybe even look over, over overlook. Um, I just want to say, I just want to encourage all of us, there is real fuel and joy awaiting us in that harvest. There is real just life-giving strength and joy that as we would engage in that work, we would reap rewards for eternal life. So what harvest is before you? And, And then third, when do you meet with Jesus? When do you meet with Jesus? As we have this source, this living water before us right now, as we have it available to us, um, when do you meet with him? When do you meet with him? Jesus, right now, I even just want us together to hear the words of that Samaritan woman say, come, just come, come and see, come and be with this man, come and be with Jesus, the savior of the world. Lord, I think of um, Isaiah when, when he said, when you said through him, come now, come, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Lord, I know some of us this morning have sin that's weighing us down, um, that just feels like it's staining us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would call us out of darkness, that we would come to you, Jesus, and our sin would be washed away white as snow. Lord, I think of your word in Micah, where you say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would, you would call us, you would invite us to walk in your ways in obedience to you. That we would find life and joy and freedom as we walk in your ways, Lord. That we would not be fooled by the lie of the enemy that freedom is found in rebellion to you. But that's really, that's slavery. That we would find freedom as we walk in your ways and engage in your work, Lord. More joy and fruit and satisfaction and strength comes as we walk with you. Jesus, I think of your words in Matthew 11 when you say, come, all who are weary and heavy laden, you say, come, you'll find rest for your souls. Gosh, Lord, for those of us who are weary, who are exhausted, Spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally, you see us, Lord, and this morning you invite us to yourself. Come, find rest. I am your rest. Would we hear your voice every morning, midday and evening to come, to commune with you, to find rest for our souls, Lord? And Lord, I think of that last chapter in the Bible where it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take water of life without price. Jesus, you paid the price. You purchased living water, eternal life for us so that we can just come and drink of it for free. 
You can receive it by faith. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would call those who are yet to be spiritually alive in this morning. You would purchase their souls. You would save them. You would give them new life. That they would taste the living water, true satisfaction. Would they come this morning, Lord? Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would you would override just stubbornness and fear and shame and all the things that held us from you. Please, Spirit of God, would you move and draw more to yourself.